Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, episode number 28. SOS number 28, and uh, March 1st, 2021. Yes. Uh, we are moving through tw- 2021. And uh, what are we doing today, David? Uh, today we're taking a look at the Golden Globes. Yeah, the winners. Yeah, we watched that last night. It was uh, it was good. And uh, we did see some of the... We watched some of the motion pictures and some of the... And there was some good stuff out there. To, and uh, so, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to look to think about uh, uh, the winners. And, of course, I'm having issues with the Skype, but that's something I want to bring up. I'm having trouble... Uh, getting you in your one shot. Oh. oh. I see. Yeah, well, the uh, while you're doing that, I'll just uh, go down the list here. I'm sure everyone knows, you know, the best motion picture drama was Nomadland. And uh, that was uh, uh, for a drama. Uh, and then the best motion picture music, musical or comedy was the Borat subsequent movie film. And the Borat subsequent movie film, we saw that. Uh, and um, it was it was good. It was uh, uh, very, very interesting. And his his speech, too, uh, when his acceptance speech was good uh, because he said that uh, he saw a lot of young actors come out uh, with a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of possibilities of of comedy, uh, and he first named Rudy Giuliani mm-hmm. uh, as a as a comedy. Uh, that uh, and he says, yeah, he, he he introduced him. It was his premiere uh, that he can, and he kept doing uh, comedy skits uh, all the way through. So is so that was a, um, I guess that was a uh, English humor humor. But it was accepted. I, I accepted it well. I thought very clever, mm-hmm. very clever. Yeah. But uh, Sasha O'Brien, he he was very uh, he spoke very well. Uh, he seems he's funny, sarcastic, uh, but I think he's a pretty smart guy. He yeah. came across as he came across as sharp and he knew what he was doing. And uh, and his uh, young actress. Uh, Bulgaria. What was her name? Maria Bakalova. Maria Bakalova. I thought she did a great job. Yeah, she was funny. She she, she did a really good job. And <laughs> uh, who was it? I forget. Someone said that uh, uh, she uh, uh, deserves a lot of credit for being in the same room with Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, she's talking about. I think it was Rosamund Pike or whoever won. Uh, Whoever won Best Film Supporting Actress Comedy, I forget who it was, but she said, you know, this role required a lot of bravery. Yeah, it was Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike, uh uh-huh. But not as much bravery as being alone in a room with Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) So I'll speak to, I do have, I can't pull up Skype, it's not working. Um, 
And here, of course, it's not working also. But I just wanted to, that's part of my grievance. Well, not grievance, but yeah, sometimes we have technical issues on this podcast. But yeah. last night on the Golden yeah. Globes where they have a whole staff, Daniel Kaluuya, this guy right here on the right-hand side, he won Best Supporting Actor. He was muted for half of his speech. So, you know, we may have some technical issues, but this is just me trying to run everything. They have a whole staff for the Golden Globes, and they still screw it up. So it's not quite as easy as it looks. <sighs> I spilled no, hot because, coffee in my hand. No, because I, uh, cause I do my stuff, too, and I do a lot of stuff just by myself. And uh, sometimes uh, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to work, simply. Yeah. Uh, simply uh, the sequence and you, where you do things, and sometimes things get hung up, and you got to get out and come back in for it to reset. And uh, it's not as easy as it looks. And uh, actually, I, David, you know what you do here, and all the and everything you pull together is is pretty impressive, uh, very impressive on on how all this stuff comes together. And so I I have no complaints at all. Uh, the little glitches here and there, you solve them. Yeah. <laughs> They're solved. Maybe not immediately. Maybe not this time. Maybe next time. But they're solved for crying out loud. And we are doing this. And mm-hmm. we and we keep doing it. We are what episode tw- episode twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight. That's that's pretty good actually. Twenty eight hours, and that's over uh, a day in the books. And uh, I think I think you're doing a great job. Thanks. I think uh, we're making this stuff work. And and actually, it's it's uh, it's necessary, you know, because. As far anything that, as far as I'm concerned, I'm only a half a census sequoia here. Uh, uh, we, sh- we and everybody should keep on talking, and should keep on listening. I think we should listen to what everyone has to say, both sides, all sides, and think about what they're saying and think about what you believe in. And I think too much uh, they want to believe in things that are not truthful, and. Uh, uh, this morning I was listening on, uh, I don't want to get into this because I want to stick with the uh, Golden Globes, uh, but I was talking about uh, the CPAC. Mm-hmm. The CPAC, uh, uh, everything that came out there, and, and actually one speaker was even talking about uh, QAnon and the conspiracy theory, as if it was true, uh, and it's unsubstantiated. But anyway, getting back to the... Uh, to the uh, Golden Globes, uh, yeah, we watched it, and I think you. Met, the other thing I mentioned is that they, at the very beginning, they muted the the uh, uh, the recipient, and he couldn't he couldn't speak, and the, the the they said, well, you know, we have technical difficulties. Well, these are professionals for crying out loud, like you said. Yeah, it it, it was remarkable that that. That happened right at the beginning. Go, wow, you know, our our podcast is better with just you. We start better than they do, uh, uh-huh. and most of what well, most of what we do, we have glitches too, but everyone does. Yeah. And uh, the uh, uh, also you mentioned someone. I think you mentioned someone was saying, and uh, you have a better memory than I do, that. Uh, yeah, the uh, 
they do very good at giving awards to themselves yeah, <laughs> in their Ho industry. Hollywood loves awarding themselves. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I fixed it. There you go. It was annoying. I see. Sometimes it just doesn't want to work, but it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if, yeah. A, if a movie's about Hollywood, it's, like, way more likely to win an award because Hollywood loves loves itself. Hollywood loves Hollywood. <laughs> so the night started out, and we, okay, we got to point out, we haven't seen most of these movies or TV shows. So I think that's kind of a credit to, there was a pandemic last year. But we didn't spend the whole pandemic sitting around watching TV and movies. <laughs> That's right. We're busy. Yeah. So, um, I mean, let's take a look at these these multiple nominations. Mank didn't see it. Trial of the Chicago 7 didn't see it. The no. Father, Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman didn't see it. Didn't see it. Borat and One Night in Miami, we saw those. Yes. Hamilton so, saw that. Both of it. Hamilton was great. Yes. Uh, no, 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 no. Soul saw Soul. Oh, I like we like all of us. All, all of us. We, we all like Soul. Soul's good. Yeah, I mean, really good. Pixar does a good job, and I thought that one was uh, especially good. I, well, I have a soft spot for jazz music, musicians, and so yeah, I liked it a lot. So we're looking at four out of the. I don't know, however many of these are, you know. So we're not really speaking with authority. I think we're speaking more towards, I mean, do you think what should have won one? I don't know. I didn't see half the stuff. But there are some interesting things going on. One thing I'd like to talk about is just, first of all, the guy wins the first award of the night. He's muted. But also the first award of the night, Bill Murray, was also <laughs> nominated. Where is he? Where is he? Supporting actor? Yeah, I don't see him. It's further down. There it is. No, is but it, it was actor? supporting actor. It was this guy, Kaluuya. Where is he? I just had him pulled up. I don't see his thing. I think it, it was higher. It was higher. Wasn't it? Oh, yeah, because it was a film, maybe? There's Daniel Kaluuya. There he is, yeah, supporting actor Judas and the Black Messiah. There's Bill Murray on the rocks as Felix King. So he shows up on a Zoom call. He's like sitting by the beach in a Hawaiian shirt. I thought that was awesome. He didn't <laughs> even bother to put on a a suit. And then Jason Sudeikis wins. He's wearing like a tie-dye hoodie. <laughs> so that's sort of the brave new world we're in. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was a presenter. He wore a shirt and tie. But he also wore sneakers and a hoodie. So I think that everyone's going very casual during this pandemic, you know? Yep. And I thought that all that was kind of interesting. I mean, we could speak to the movies we saw. Oh, who's calling you? Is that important? No. Uh, we saw One Night in Miami. Liked it a lot. It was good. Uh, what else? We saw Borat, which actually won the best comedy. Yeah. And Sasha Baron Cohen won best comedy actor. And I will say that he was good. 
and it takes a lot of guts to do what he did. You know, he puts himself into harm's way, and there's a lot to be said about that. But he was up against Lin-Manuel Miranda for the stage play of Hamilton. And I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda, when Hamilton was on Broadway in 2016, he won every award there was. And I think maybe they thought Lin-Manuel Miranda did that five years ago. Let's not give him an award five years later when someone did something in 2020. Does that make sense? Uh, whether they consciously think that or not, I think that, that that's an element of the decision process. Mm -hmm. They want to give it to, and I think the, under the auspices of, they want to give it the, the right award to the right person at the right time. Mm -hmm. So all three of those things, I think, kick in. And even though you highlight one of those criteria, they're all together. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, and that's why they have uh, uh, the, the groups that, uh, you know, the committees that do it. Mm -hmm. Because Lin-Manuel Miranda, first of all, he wrote all those words that he rapped in Hamilton. And then he delivered them and he did all the choreography. And it's like, it seems like that would be a little bit more challenging than what Sasha Baron Cohen did, just from a technical standpoint. Mm -hmm. But also, I think that he already won awards for that. He won Tony Awards in 2016 or 2017, whenever it was. He won every Tony Award under the sun, as he deserved to, but they weren't going to give him film awards for filming the play that he made five years earlier. So that was one thing. Another thing is, uh, Borat won Best Film for Musical or Comedy, and I didn't see any of the others. But uh, what are you looking at? I'm trying to find the list you had. Oh, do you want me to send you the link in chat? Yeah. There we go. I got it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, do you think if it wasn't the middle of a pandemic, a film like Borat could win the best motion picture Golden Globe? Uh, I don't know. But I will say that it has an effect. Mm -hmm. it de you're absolutely right, David. It does have an effect. Who's to say what would have happened? But all of that contributes. Uh, it's just, to me, it's logical. It contributes, whether you want it to or not. And uh, and I would look at these things and I look at the different different things and what the few that we've seen. Uh, I I've never. They're good for different reasons, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, what do we see lately? Uh, well, like one night in Miami. That was really good because there was a message. I think also what what is good is is when they, it's well done. They're all well done. They're they're just very talented people in this industry. But there's a message that's being that's being uh, communicated, and I think that's what really uh, uh, grabs people. And uh, we watched one the other day. What did we watch the other day? And I said that was good. It was just entertaining. There wasn't much. 
We watched the 2011 Best Picture winner for the Oscars, The Artist. The Artist was very well done technically. And, and when I got, because we watched The Artist, uh, the silent movie, and it was very good. It was well done. But there was no, there was no, well, maybe there was a message, but I missed it. But but when there's a message, a current message of the day, uh, that makes the movie more powerful. And I think a lot of times that's that's what people, uh, whether consciously or unconsciously, take away from a movie. Like it spoke to me. It spoke to me. And a lot of times they will they will uh, rate the movies based on their tactical ability and their art artistic ability uh, and their writing, uh, but the uh, but uh, more than that, uh, the message and the impact that it has on the viewer. Sometimes that that's more than just the technical ability or the artistic ability. Yeah. The artist was good. I really liked it. I really liked it. You could say there was no message, but what if you were someone that grew up in an industry and the industry changed and you saw all the things that worked for you stopped working and you were distraught and in despair and people were reaching out a helping hand and you said, no, the the world needs to change. I don't need to change. And the artist, it confronts all of those issues. Where it's mm -hmm. like, accept help where you can find it and realize that sometimes the world moves on and you need to adapt to overcome. I mean, that's all, those are all messages that the artist had. They were, they were. And they, I, I know I'm, I'm older and uh, I have changed quite a bit, uh, but you change. And some people didn't change. Well, like in business, some people don't change and uh, they're no longer in business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. I've changed a lot over the years. I've changed my thinking. I've changed my how I approach things. Uh, but it's more of an individual thing. Uh, but like one night in Miami, that is that's a social message that that was brought forward mm -hmm. and and uh, and addressed in a very very good way. And uh, that that needs to be addressed even more. And we have to think about those kinds of issues even even deeper. Yeah, you're right. It, it was it was well done. I, I like like those two movies. I liked a lot. I mean, there there are messages. You said there's no messages in it. Like that's just saying unless something has a broader, immediate social message, there's no message. But that's not true. That's not true. I was wrong. But what I was saying was is that the, the message there was a yeah. You're right. I was wrong. There is a message. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying is is that uh, the message could was very focused. Uh, with the artist, but for one night in Miami, the message that that was in the movie was uh, for society, mm -hmm. for everybody, and everybody's living that, and it's a little bit more poignant and more, uh, much much broader in its application. Yeah, so I'm thinking no message. Uh, that was a message to the artist. Uh, that wasn't necessarily a message to me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not an artist. I don't act. Uh, I'm not an artist in that sense. There's yeah. There's but there's no instances in your life where change would have benefited you, and instead you chose to stick to the old way of doing things. Sure, that happens all the time. <laughs> it happens all the time. But that's like the theme but, of the artist. Well, yeah, a broader theme of it. Mm -hmm. But it was all about uh, all about the acting in that in, that industry. But see, one night one night in Miami was talking about. Uh, our society, 
that that we're, we live every day. There was no there was no uh, parallelism going on. Mm-hmm. It was direct. But anyway, that the actually we were, we should watch Nomadland because it won, huh? Yeah, I think we might, maybe we'll watch that tonight. I I want to point out something that I observed, and I think that you'll agree with me. And this is not to rag on these people. Everyone's allowed to do what they want to do. But let me kill myself real quick. Uh, in the you got Mark Ruffalo didn't like his speech. Catherine O'Hara <laughs> didn't like her speech. Jason Sudeikis didn't like his speech. But Jason Sudeikis, you had uh, Don Cheadle giving him the uh, the wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up while he was yeah. remember that. So yeah. so let's go back to Mark Ruffalo. Mark hey, Ruffalo. David, did... wait a minute, wait a minute. While you're talking about this, let's have rankings. Okay? Because we throw marshmallows at the screen for things that we don't want. So as you go through this, is it a one marshmallow, two marshmallow, three marshmallow? Because the more marshmallows, the worse it is. Is that, a, is that fair? Yeah, I thought the content of Mark Ruffalo's speech was my least favorite. I thought the execution of Catherine O'Hara's speech was clearly my least favorite. So Mark Ruffalo, he was the definition of empty platitudes. Do you know what I'm saying? He's a three marshmallow. He's a, he's a three marshmallow, okay. Um, so let me just do my impression of Mark Ruffalo. I know it's been a difficult year out there, everyone, but if we can all stand together, arm in arm, and march forward into a braver future, if we can focus on what needs to be done, we can join hands and look to a brighter sun and a brighter tomorrow. And it's up to us, the storytellers, to say, this is our time, this is our chance, and we will prevail if we just look to the sun on the horizon, and tomorrow will be a brighter day. And it's like, dude, you're not saying anything. <laughs> it's all... say, yeah, yeah. What do you say? What do you yeah, say? that was. What did you mean by that? That was his speech, and he. I don't know. I think that he thought he was changing the world, but he wasn't changing jack squat. <laughs> you tell him, David. <laughs> and that was empty platitudes. Uh, so yeah. I didn't like that. Catherine O'Hara. Let's get back here. Um, yeah, there she is. Yeah. She had this gimmick going where her husband was playing music on the phone. Oh, and she was, was trying to... And I think that it probably played better in the room because she could hear the phone and it made sense and the audio was good in the room. But over a microphone and over Skype, it was just nonsensical. And she sort of ruined her one chance to accept an award. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and you think this is their business. They are in the business of being on camera, and they they don't even know how to do it. Yeah, it's it's wow, you know, like like in like like in my uh, in my field in statistics, you know, if you get up and start talking about something that's ridiculous, people are going to totally tone you out to tune you out this is no no that's that's not that's the wrong axioms that's the wrong that's the wrong assumptions uh, you're basing that on you're crazy you know and i and they'll get up and walk out of the room yeah but I mean, 
that's uh, maybe if you're with your peers. I would say, honestly, as a teacher going remote this last year, you got to admit that if you have terrible, terrible audio, it's staticky, it's crackling, it's peaking, you're going to get students that don't listen to your lecture because it's too hard. And the fascinating thing to me is as you move online, uh, you can go, let's just take a look. We can go to Amazon. All right. I just want to just do an experiment. You could buy a Good. blue a blue spark or a blue yeti. Let's, let's just let's say a blue yeti because that's an all-in-one solution. All right. Yeah. An all-in-one solution. Uh, one hundred ten dollars. Okay. That will significantly improve the audio on your online lectures. Or if you work in corporate world and you're doing remote work, it'll significantly improve the audio of your Zoom calls and your Skype meetings or whatever you're doing. Well, that's $100. People will spend $1,000 on a suit, $500 on a dress. And now those things are meaningless. To make yourself be more professional, literally, it costs $110. Like, why wouldn't you outlay that expense? Because it'll pay dividends. People can hear you better. When you speak, your voice will be more clear. That'll give you more authority when you're trying to... Uh, be forceful in an argument, and people sort of lose track of that. It's it's surprising to me. Well, the whole point of the artist, the things changed to talkies, right? They went from the silent uh, film to talkies to talkie, mm. and the whole point of that is that, uh, what, what was his name? George uh, Valentine. Yeah, and I think that was a spinoff. That was a analogy to uh, Rudolph Valentino. Because he couldn't make the transition from silent film to talkies. Because I think his voice was kind of like, was was not received well. I'll put it that way. And that was kind of what the artist was about, you know. Mm -hmm. And so he did come, but then uh, the sound was tap dancing. But it, I didn't want to ruin the movie, but it was really great. And, and it was well done. Mm -hmm. But the point is that, that that's the whole point of uh, the artist. That's what the artist was talking about. The same thing. Yeah. And they they made a movie about it, but they can't do it. Mm -hmm. They can talk about it, but they won't do it. <laughs> it's remarkable. Oh, my goodness. Now, I imagine on the Golden Globe, they shipped them out stuff to use. I don't know. Because if you look at the, the list of nominees. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Five in each category. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85, 90, 95, 100, 110, 120, 120, let's say. And of course, there are repeats because you saw the same people nominated over and over again. Mm -hmm. well, well, 120 times 100 is what, 12K in, in microphones? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure the Hollywood Foreign Press Agency can spring for 12K in microphones, you know, and send them out to the people just to make the broadcast a little bit better. I, I bet they don't. I bet. I bet. I bet the the um, and the the recipient side, whatever they have, it's a laptop. It's a. It might be a blue because. But the, I thought that the, the, the quality varied. Some people were good and some people were not. But I thought the video quality and the audio quality were more a function of connection speed and 
uh, microphone placement. So if I take my mic here, and I put it down on the floor, people don't think. So they're like, oh, I'd like to thank the Academy. And it's like, your mic's on the floor. Like, put it next to your mouth. Put it next <laughs> to your mouth and people can hear you talk. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's exactly right. That was right. I, I could I, I could take mine and put it different places too. When I first started doing when I first doing a lot of stuff at home and had to generate dozens and um, getting into the hundreds of videos uh, for education, uh, and I'm getting ready to do even more. Uh, I was worried about my surroundings. Uh, I made these towel things. Uh, I made these towel things. I love I love towels, by the way. Uh huh. T towels are acoustical, and you just put them right here in almost a little booth. And I, I concerned, but they don't even do that. They, they, like you say, they put their mic somewhere else. Well, I think that that was the, the quality variance. So I think they all might have had the same camera and audio connection, because then if the producer has to, oh, this person's about to win the award, and something's wrong. The producers know exactly what hardware they're using. Do you see what I'm saying? If you ship everyone out a Blue Yeti and a, oh. a webcam and something oh. goes wrong, the producers say, these are the settings you need to fix on your end. Or, or you know, you even you ship them out the laptop and you, you can remote into the laptop and control their laptop. Yeah, I don't, uh, think, I don't think they did that. I think they did. I almost guarantee you they did. And... Because they said, you know, we used to get swag bags full of thousands and thousands of dollars of merchandise. Well, the cost of production to fly everyone out, to have a red carpet, to construct the scaffolding, to have the press there, to uh, book the halls, that would have been a lot of money. Well, you put that money into the technical aspects of the broadcast instead. And you still screw it up a little bit because you've never done it before. And yet, I do think that they... They made it uniform, the technology that everyone was using. It's not like, oh, just use your phone or just use your laptop. I think they sent people laptops with external webcams. They put them on tripods, and they all used normalized microphones because then broadcast can resolve issues because everyone's on the same hardware, if that makes sense. And the thing is, it's just <laughs> as quickly as, okay, give us your address. We'll order. Oh, i got to make sure that... We'll order one of these for you, and we'll ship it out to you. And it'll be there in two days. Get it as soon as tomorrow. <laughs> uh, it'll be there in two days, and then you'll have it. And then we'll also ship you out a laptop. You know, I'm sure that they have 120 laptops, the Hollywood Foreign Press Agency, to, to run this, or webcams. So I think that they, I mean, I kind of feel like if I were producing it as a media person, I would make sure everyone had the same hardware, because then the solutions are all the same. I know I have a laptop that I'm supposed to use, but I don't use it. Mm-hmm. And my, my, and, my and system's when, better. And when you call IT, they, they're expecting you to be using that laptop, and they have solutions for the laptop. Like, they could never solve my problems, because like, you're using a completely different system. There's a reason right. why they want you to use that system. That's right. Yeah, but and also because of that... They'll they want to use software, their software, certain software that they they bought, and I got to be careful. 
because it might work on the laptop, but it may may not work on my system. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I've I've downloaded stuff and I just screwed my system up. Yeah. I I do think what's crazy is a lot of the stuff that's free generates so much revenue because when you use a free software, oftentimes you're not the this is getting off the Golden Globes. When you use a free software, oftentimes you're not the customer. You're the product. When I use Google, uh, I type something into this search bar here. Hello, world. Google knows that I typed hello, world. Or at least the podcast did, you know? Because I'm signed into the podcast account. And Google knows, oh, hello, world. That's a programming thing. This person might be interested in programming. Next time he surfs to YouTube, which we also own, uh, maybe we'll show him an ad about programming because he's indicated interest in programming. And we'll get money from advertisers to show him that ad. And based upon his search history, we'll know what to serve him. And it's all free to him. He gets access to all these videos. He gets access to our search functionality. If he wants to go into Google and use Gmail or Google Drive or Photos or Docs, Sheets, Slides, if he wants to use any of that, it's all free because he's not the customer. He's the product. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's a little off topic, but... I mean, just looking at the broadcast, I do think that they all had the same hardware. I just think that they set it up differently. Some person set up in a cavernous room with all sorts of echo, and the mic is 10 feet away from them. That's why when someone would have their phone, and they would say, uh, you know, I got to thank my co-producer, you know, Johnny Mozzarella, Let's hear what he has to say. And then they would hold it up to the microphone. He would sound better than they would. Yeah. Because the speaker was talking one inch away from the microphone. Yeah. I noticed that. That was good. And they did put it right there. Mm-hmm. And it did sound good. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, just a devil's advocate, uh, these people uh, don't do the technology. Uh, they're the actors. And, and they're, they're going to say, okay, action. And then they do their they do their thing, and they're very good at what they do. They're awesome at what they do, but they don't do the technology, mm-hmm. you know. So they don't they just don't know, uh, and they're not they're not what well, they know. They're not aware of the of the uh, intricacies of. Uh, you need to have the uh, my mic is like six inches away from my 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 voice. You can hear me okay, right? Yeah, I'm like a, a foot, but you can hear me okay, right? Yeah, my my my. My mic's right here, right off screen. Yeah, mine's right off screen, too, to my left. I mean, my camera. I do the same thing. So that's just who they are. And uh, that's not what they do. Yeah, I guess they don't think, even though their whole life is being in front of camera. I mean, but when you think about it, there were more audio issues. I guess I'm an audio guy, so like I hear the audio issues. <laughs> there were more audio issues than there were video issues. So everyone had their webcams on tripods, and they were framed... Like this, you know, the way you should frame someone, center frame, uh, you know, rule of thirds or whatever. Fine. They were framed fine. No one screwed that up. It wasn't like, hey, Academy, (laughs) thanks. 
thanks, you know. No Dutch angles or anything like that. Uh, so I think that <laughs> because they're actors, they do think about how they look more than how they sound. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that was kind of the theme in The Artist. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the pictures. It's not about the sound. The silent film is all about the pictures. And the acting was was the communication. Uh-huh. And then you went to talkies, and then all of a sudden, it's the actions and the voice. Well, it's a different skill set. It's a different skill set. It is. So just like it's a, just like it's a different skill set to talk to someone personally and talk to someone and talk to a a, a camera. Yeah, like looking into the lens because when I look at you, and you're not far, I have you right above my camera, but it does uh-huh. look a little bit like I'm looking over. Yeah, like I'm looking at you, then I look at the camera. It's different. Look at you, then look at you. It's like if, different. And if you want to make a point, often, you know, you could be looking at the people on your Zoom call or whatever, but you gotta focus them out and say blah 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 blah. You know, you look into the camera and you have more emphasis because then you're actually making eye contact with them. That's right. Like if I made eye contact with you, it looks like I'm looking over the camera. It's fascinating because eye contact is crucial to communication. But we've gotten off track. Yeah, no, we're having fun. <laughs> we're having fun. This is stuff we like. I want to bring it back to the Golden Globes, okay? Yeah, let's, let's come back to the Golden Yeah, let's do that. What did you think about Tina Fey and Amy Poehler? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I like Amy Poehler because I've seen her in, uh, in uh, Parks and Rec and... Uh, I, well, I, I like her in that. She's been in other things too. I like Tina Fey. Have I seen her? I just seen Tina Fey on the uh, uh, Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. But I thought they did a fine job. I think they did a really good job. I think they were they were fine. I liked both of them. I thought the monologue was okay. I mean, they told jokes. It wasn't like Ricky Gervais's from last year, where he really ripped everyone when it was incredible. Did you ever see that one? I don't. I don't think so. No, should, I didn't. Should I pull it up? Oh, it's like a two-hour, a two-hour-long thing, or no? Just like you know, the monologue yesterday that they did, like a five minutes. Mm-hmm. So is it is it intro monologue? Yeah, it's eight minutes. I don't know if we should watch the whole thing. Nah, I'd say no. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. I, I didn't watch it last year. I mean, we'd fill eight minutes of the podcast, but I don't have any good clips that he he just rips Hollywood, sort of like Sasha Baron Cohen did. So I'd like to thank the all-white Hollywood Foreign Press Agency for giving me this award. And, okay, so Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, fine. They were good. I liked them. What I didn't like was I thought some of the SNL sketches that they did on stage, they really fell oh, flat. Yeah. Whether it was Keenan and Maya Rudolph as the singers, didn't like that. Or Tina Fey and that other lady as the tourists in Hollywood, didn't like that sketch. And I was sort of watching it. It's like, why? Why are they doing this? This is not. This is not good. They bombed. They bombed as far as I was concerned. Yeah, I got. The, I got. The, it was kind of like. Uh, so like two people are talking, they laugh, and no one knows what they're talking about or laughing about. I said, "Inside joke." Uh huh. You had to be there, you know. 
Or maybe if you knew those characters from their SNL days or something, because they had these weird accents, especially the Tina Fey sketch, and not the Tina Fey sketch, the uh, Kristen Wiig sketch. Remember when they were tourists? Yeah. And they were speaking with a weird accent about all the good shops on Hollywood Boulevard. And it's like, this is not funny. There's nothing about this that is funny to me. But but it's but that that probably it could have been funny to the people uh, who were in the business listening to it to to the SNL people. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Well, yeah, you had to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, that kind of thing, like inside joke kind of thing, uh, which is which makes that that industry difficult. Because what's funny to you may not be funny to your audience. I also think there's a consideration of network. So Saturday Night Live remains like a marquee show for NBC. And normally when they'd have the Golden Globes, when they paid for the Golden Globes, they'd have a bunch of celebrities. You know, big name, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, George Clooney, Tom Hanks, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, all the biggest stars would be there presenting and receiving awards. But because it's pandemic, it's like, well, what do we do? The stars aren't going to be there. Let's drag our SNL cast, who's already in a pod because they've been doing SNL, you know, for six months now, and have them do sketches on stage. I think, and it's like, let's promote SNL because it's one viable NBC property. Uh, so I think that was a lot of the rationale behind having so much SNL material. But I, I thought it fell flat. I didn't really like it. Well, the, the my my uh, uh, two cents, my contribution is SNL skits will work better on SNL than on the stage of the Golden Globe Awards. Mm-hmm. Two different audiences. It's not the same audience. But I think no matter what, it was going to be weird, right? With the people over Zoom accepting the awards. So I guess we can go into that a little bit. I thought the lady that accepted Chadwick Boseman's award, maybe it was his wife, and Andrew Day, they were two highlights of the show. I thought it was very heartfelt, very from the heart. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And I liked... One thing I liked about the Zoom, you know, that was weird, was like Andra Day, she seems like a young actress. She had her mom and dad right there beside her. Other people won, and their little kids ran into frame and gave them a hug. You don't really get that on the real Golden Globes, and I thought that added a huge level of humanity to the 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 proceedings. So I, yeah, I me too. That was one thing about the Zoom version of the Golden Globes that I really did like. Uh, I I thought that how emotional this Andra Day was. I thought that was cool. And then Chadwick Boseman's wife, I guess. I don't know. I don't know who she was, but she was very emotional talking about him. And his story is very sad. He was a young guy whose life was cut short by cancer. Obviously, Sasha Baron Cohen, he's funny, and he's probably pretty smart because it seems like he was able to get in a few jokes. It was a little sad that Maria Bakalova didn't win Best Supporting Actress. Uh-huh. Because uh, I thought she did great. I thought that she, she carried the movie perhaps more than Sasha Baron Cohen did. 
Do you know what I mean? In that Borat? Yes. She drove the yeah. movie. Uh, she did. Well, when when she, well, I don't know about I don't know if about when 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 she was in scene, she took the scene. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't in every scene. <laughs> but she was in more so, scenes than he was, though. Was she? I think so. Like the scenes at the women's league and the scenes with the babysitter. And she was in a lot of scenes. Mm. I don't know. I don't know how they decide well, she, this. Well, she was she was very good. She was excellent. And I think uh, uh, it was very surprising. Who is that? Who? Yeah, I, I kept saying, who is that young girl? You know, who is that? She's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. And it was very impressive because I think it was the kind of movie it was. And I think whoever, who directed it? Did Sasha Baron Cohen direct it? I don't think so. I think he, the direction was was excellent. It was very good, but the direction on that was different because it was more uh, a reality show kind of thing. Yeah, a pseudo reality. Yeah, I thought she was really good. Not not to take anything away from uh, Rosamund Pike. I never seen that movie no. though. I, yeah, I didn't. I don't see want to take movie. anything. I don't want to take anything away from any of these people because uh, I think they're all. Excellent, you know. I just, I, I rarely do I see someone who's bad. Yeah. Uh, I see someone better than someone else, but you know they're all professionals. They're very good at what they do. Well, the, either professionals long term are good at what they do. The one that got uh, blasted was this Emily in Paris. Did you hear about this? No. It's n- did not get very many good reviews, but it got several nominations. Lily Collins, Emily in Paris. And it turns out that last year, the producers of Emily in Paris, there's only like 85 people in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. It's not like the Academy where there's like 500 people, the the Academy Awards. Well, it turns out that the producers flew everyone that was in the HFPA to France and put them up in a five-star hotel and let them tour the production while they were filming it. And all of a sudden, a year later, they get all these nominations when most critics said it was lousy. And it's like, it seems that's kind of like pay to play, you know? It seems like something's a little bit off about that. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, I didn't. But yeah, that's a, that was a thing. And then the, the autism movie was a thing. What do they call that one? What's the autism movie? Ba ba ba. It got a it got a ba 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 ba. Ted Lasso, was that it? No. I th- I thought it got a nomination for something. Let's look it up. See ya, autism movie. Music is what it's called. I guess it did a lot of... First of all, they were upset that Maddie Ziegler from The Dance Moms... She's not autistic and she played a person on the spectrum. And 
Then they said it was dangerous because there's a scene where she's freaking out and her older sister restrains her. And they say that that's like not the acceptable way to handle uh, someone that's having a breakdown that's autistic. And so the movie was, first of all, they felt like someone further along the spectrum. Because I guess if it's a spectrum, everyone's on the spectrum. You know, you and I are on the autism spectrum at some place because it's a spectrum. So I can see that, yeah. So because the girl, Maddie from Dance Moms, was not further down the spectrum, it wasn't representation. They should have gotten someone further down the spectrum to play the autistic child. And it's like, uh, well, that might not work, you know? I don't know. I I feel like it's like saying, oh, I'm going to make a movie about a serial killer named Hannibal Lecter, and I'm going to cast Anthony Hopkins. It's like, you really need to cast an actual serial killer, you know? And it's like, well, why wouldn't you cast an actor instead, you know? Like, I think that being an actor should qualify you to do stuff that you're not supposed to do. That's what, like, the definition of being an actor. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, I do. But I guess the that was part of people's grief. People always have grief about everything. But the other part was some of the depictions of how you handle an autistic person were against the current orthodoxy, and people said it could be dangerous. So this may be, if you don't have a child that's heavily on the autism spectrum, you don't know anyone, you've never heard, this movie may be what you know about autism and what is teaching people they say is wrong. And that's why people are upset. And that like my kind of makes sense to me. I can see that. I can definitely see that. Yeah. Because when you make a movie, uh there is a responsibility to uh cuz you're communicating and you're any t- any time you communicate, any time you uh when you when you talk to people or communicate or teach people, you're dealing with people's minds and thoughts and you can influence them in a positive direction and a negative direction. And I think it's, I think it's important that there's a responsibility, uh, whether you, anytime you engage other people in a collective manner, uh, you have a responsibility and I can, and that, that concept is not only movies, uh, but it goes to politicians too. Mm-hmm. Words matter, images matter, stories matter. <laughs> you know, all that stuff is important because you're dealing with people's minds. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess one thing that I don't get is, I mean, autism. You should have gotten an autistic person to play the person with autism or whatever. And it's uh-huh. like that boggles my mind because it's like it's different. You know, if you get someone to play Billie Holiday and you cast Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> blonde hair, blue eyes, that just wouldn't make sense. But uh, what if you wanted to get someone to play a Kazakhstani journalist and you say, Sasha Baron Cohen shouldn't play a Kazakhstani journalist. A, he's not a journalist. And B, he's not from Kazakhstan. <laughs> and... You could definitely argue that his depictions of the Kazakhstani people 
are not in line with reality. In fact, they're detrimental to the image of the Kazakh people. So why isn't what Sasha Baron Cohen did racist? You know, he's the number three prostitute in all of Kuzchek. That's my sister. He leaves and they're, you know, pulling a cart. Uh, and it's like, why isn't that discriminatory? You know, I'm sure that the people of Kazakhstan didn't like his portrayal of their country. And he's not Kazakhstani, but no one seems to care about that. I guess this is very much whataboutism, though. Where it's yeah, like, but that argument, David, could also apply to uh, African Americans. It could apply to Native Americans. It could apply to Asian Americans. It could apply to everyone. If which if, I, I actually is true. If Sasha Baron Cohen played Soaring Eagle, a movie about a Native American who goes off in search of America, and he dresses up in war paint and a headdress, and he goes to New Mexico and portrays the Navajo reservation as uh, destitute poverty and backwards thinking, do you think people would be angry? Well, what I was, what I was thinking of is how movies have portrayed Native Americans. Oh, the Indians. Oh, I killed an Indian. I killed an Indian. I killed an Indian. Killed the Indians, you know. And I says, yay, I killed an Indian. I'm the hero. I got the white hat on. And the Indians have a feather. You got to shoot them because they're mm -hmm. bad people. It's the good guys and the bad guys. The bad guys are the Indians. And the blacks. The blacks are the ones who, uh, they, they, can't, they can't be in the house. Uh, you're not allowed in the house. You got to stay outside. So, you know, there's racist portrayals in movies. Right. But what I'm saying is the autism argument with music is that everyone should be exactly who they claim to be in a movie. And that just doesn't hold water to me. It's like, does Borat need to be from Kuzchek in Kazakhstan or can he create a character? And when you create a character, do you need to get someone that is that character in real life to play that character? Like, what's the point of having actors at that point? Why not just make documentaries? Well, and then I, it's true. That's a good point. It's a very good point, David. But then what I was saying was, is that if you're playing a character and that character is not true to a, a social point, then is that legitimate in a movie in this industry? Because you're influencing the thoughts of people in one direction. Yeah, I mean, I think that for all the good that Sasha Baron Cohen's movie may have done in America, to sort of, especially the first one. Do you remember? We watched the first one. We it exposed it. Yeah. I think prior to the Trump era, there was this underbelly of discrimination and racism in America. When he goes to that dinner on Secession Way, and they're all fine with him pooping in a bag and bringing it to the dinner table, but the second he invites a black person to eat with him, he has to leave. They're gone. And they're uh, yeah. And we're going to call the cops. Like, you bring in a bag of poop to the table, that was not a bridge too far, but inviting a black person. Um, and, you know, the, the, the college kids on the RV. And, of course, I feel like this was more, the new one, was more about Trump and Giuliani. And he said he wanted to get it out before the election. And I don't know what impact it had on the election, but whatever impact, however small, I think that he probably... I was glad that he made the movie and didn't. 
But the first movie, it really did expose America more than it exposed Kazakhstan. Because I think that his portrayal of Kazakhstan was so over the top that you knew it was a joke. Uh, or at least in America, we knew that that's, Kazakhstan's not really like that. But it's funny to, oh, he's backwards. And it's like, let's see how Americans react to him. And it's like, ooh, the way that Americans react to him doesn't reflect that well on Americans. And I think that was his whole point with the first movie and also with the second movie. And I think it's kind of brilliant where you could be like, oh, man, uh, the Kazakhstanis are going to be so pissed at his portrayal. And it's like, really, the person he's dunking on is not Kazakhstan. It's America. Which brings up a good point. Uh, if it's true with with the axioms, if it's true that movies do influence people, telling a story can influence influence people, and you can you can uh, 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 create a character, and that character can actually reveal a negative uh, negative parts of a society or, or a segment of society. Uh, then telling the story is important, and we've seen that 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 there is an underbelly of, pre- of prejudice and discrimination in this country. Actually, not this country in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just a country; it's in people. I think just people are naturally that way. Some are, some are not. That'll always be the case. That's never going away. Mm-hmm. And so you have a country to try to normalize that, such that. One side or the other, uh, the, the negative, the, I would say negative because I don't believe in discrimination, but the, the disc- discriminatory nature of people does not rise to overtake this, a society, then maybe, just may, if you can influence that with storytelling in the, in the media, in the, in the, in the uh, movie industry, then, and also we saw that that has changed in politics like with a Trump era, because he has really played the audience. And that's why all these conspiracy theories have been growing, because it's a, it's more of a reality show that's that's non-truth. Uh, the point is, why don't politicians hire more uh, uh, people in the in the movie industry? To sort of because, tell their stories? Historic, yeah, because historically, they're all about the platform the all about the logic here the logic here the logic here they're all about if we do this the economy is going to be better if we do this foreign policy is better if we do this you know you're talking about all these issues but then they talk about the issues without really uh getting the the people into it and so if you take here's here's our here's our platform they say okay how do we get the people behind us well let's get a persona like trump and they're going to get it behind it, even if the issue is a conspiracy theory. He can have people believe in a conspiracy theory where other politicians cannot have them believe in something that's real. So if we've seen that, maybe that's why uh, in the future, maybe we should think think a lot more about telling the story. Mm-hmm. Even in politics uh, and in business and in our lives, I think. And actually... <laughs> uh, Always bring it around to Sequoia. Uh, a good storyteller will influence people. And if in that story, if you have a message, 
that 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 is going to be lasting and important, uh, then the best way to deliver that message is telling a story. I guess we said that before, but uh, maybe I'm saying all this stuff again, but I think it fits here. Mm-hmm. And and with everything that we do, I think we actually uh, we saw this. Uh, who who was the guy from MIT say uh, tell a story and tell the story well on it when you. Uh, Want to make a point? Harry Remember Winston. The, Harry, yeah. Harry? Was his name Harry? Harry Winston? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was actually excellent uh, 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 lecture on uh, on teaching, tell a story. And he had five points in telling a story. Mm-hmm. Well, who tells stories the best? These people do. <laughs> the playwrights. All these stories are excellent. They're, they're very good at their craft. They're very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just want to applaud uh, their talent. Okay. Well, we may have to watch some of these now and then come back and do an episode on the Oscars. We could wrap this up today. The fascinating thing to me about the Golden Globes is it is very much about the marquee people. If you look at the, uh, the whole film, actor, 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 director, the score, I guess, score, screenplay, song, animated, foreign <laughs> language, and then actor, 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 or the whole thing. So there's no production designer. There's no cinematographer. There's no, uh, you know, technical awards for, for special effects or composite effects or sound editing or sound mixing. The Golden Globes is all about just the people at the top of the marquee. And I'm sure that's why the stars love it, because the reason they became stars is because they wanted to be at the top of the marquee. Uh, but I think this is a good starting point for maybe our Movie Tuesday discussions. We have several best dramas and best comedies for films that we need to watch. Like, we could take a look at this. I haven't seen any of these. I've seen two nope. of these. I've seen Hamilton, which and, I liked. Which and one? Borat. Oh, Borat. Yeah, I saw Borat. So we can start with the dramas and then maybe go to the comedies. The thing about comedies that makes them hard to review is either you find them funny or you don't. I suppose this is a musical, not a comedy. But uh, Do you know what I mean? Reviewing yeah. a comedy, it's like, I thought it was stupid. And that's all you could say, you know? I didn't think it was funny. It's like reviewing the, uh, the Kristen Wiig sketch. It's like, I didn't, th- I didn't think it landed. And it's like, what more can you say? They came out, they did their little sketch, and it wasn't funny. Well, being being uh, being a academician, uh, I would say, wasn't funny to me. What type of person is that funny to, or to what type of person is that funny? Mm-hmm. Say it correctly. See what I mean? Well, let's analyze it. Okay, okay, that was humor. Okay, but humor has the deliver, the, the person who delivers the humor, the humor, and the person who receives the humor. And the, the deliver, the, 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 the transmission and the receiving, they have to connect. Okay? And if they transmit it and they don't connect with us, who do they connect with? See what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. Looking at it analytically. So, yeah, it was funny. To whom? Who's going to find that funny? Yeah. I watch, I watch things on TV, and I don't think they're that funny, but you do. And even because because of our age difference, mm-hmm. and uh, okay, fine, you think it's funny, but I I don't uh, I I don't like that. And uh, some people think the when I left 
okay, now we're getting off the track, but hey, when I left home, I grew up in a part of the United States. When I left home, I went to another part of the United States, and the very first thing I noticed was people would laugh at things that I didn't think was funny. And I would say things and they would think what I would they think I was funny, but back home I was funny. The first thing I noticed was the humor was different. Mm-hmm. At just a different state in the union in the United States. So maybe we should look when when you do comedy uh, you know what's funny, and who's the audience? I think it's 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 a funny isn't universal. No, not at all. H- humor and comedy is not universal. It has to be audience specific. Maybe that's a better way to say it. So, what audience would find that funny? The sketches, uh, whatever I'm, it is, it's not. I'm not part of it. They're playing like middle middle aged, like middle American normies. These two ladies. Kristen Wiig and whoever the other one was, who they go on vacation, they go to the souvenir shops and they buy up all the souvenirs and they say, there's great places to shop. There's this souvenirs, there's Hollywood souvenir, there's souvenir Hollywood. And it's like, I don't know who finds it funny. Maybe like the husbands of these middle-aged, middle American women. But if you're a middle-aged, middle American woman, you're like, they're making fun of me. They're saying that my life is a joke, basically. What I do for recreation is pathetic. That's sort of what I got out of the sketch. And that's because yeah, we're I think maybe the audience that finds that funny are actors in New York <laughs> who live around those people. Yeah. Or they know and they see that every day. Yeah. Like isn't it crazy how uh like cause I mean, Kristen Wiig's in her 40s now, and I don't know how, but it's like how people we went to high school with are just such norm normies in the Midwest. You know, they just, they live to go on vacation and buy souvenirs. Isn't that just so unrefined? Let's, let's make fun of them. You know, like we're actors in New York. Let's make fun of these people that we went to high school with that are, you know, I honestly, I think that could be what's going on there. Well, another thing about humor again, is a connection. If you can connect with, if you and I are connected, if you, and we are, (laughs) we respect each other, we love each other, uh, father and son. So can I make fun of you? Yeah, and you'll laugh, oh, he's making fun of me. But if I didn't know you, I made fun of you, then that would cause, that would cause uh, a separation. That would cause turmoil. Mm-hmm. That would cause resentment. See, again, that that connection uh, matters. And so if you make fun of people you respect and they know you respect them, then you can make fun of them. Back home, I know if you are, we, back home relatives, mm-hmm. relatives that, that you have a really good relationship with, you know, you you, you call them out all the time. They laugh and they go, yeah, I did that. You know, like they call them up on the phone. They go, what are you doing? Well, you talk, you say that to just someone you don't know. And they go, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You know, why are you, why are you talking to me like that? You sit, sit as someone you really, uh, relative that you've grew up with and you know each other so well. What are you doing? I'm talking to you. You know, that kind of thing. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Okay. I mean, your relationship determines your interactions. It's, it's and the interactions determine the humor. Yeah. 
So humor is not humor is not humor. It's dependent on a lot of lot of ingredients. Mm-hmm. Same with messages, like strong, strong, significant messages. Some of these meshes, messages uh, that are trying to convey uh, different uh, things today would not fly in the 50s or the 60s. No, and I also think uh, these days, uh, stuff that's profound, or you could say is profound, it hits you over the head with what it's trying to say. It's... There's no subtlety to it whatsoever. Uh, there was no subtlety to One Night in Miami. It's not like, oh, what are they getting at? Like, with the artists, there was more subtlety. It's like, everybody grows old. The world moves on from where you were when you were in your prime. And you have to deal with that. Either you adapt and overcome, or you uh, hold on to your pride and you watch it all slip away. That was sort of the message of that. And it's like, when you see that, you say, that didn't have a message. But these... These, this movie where they're explicitly talking about their role in history, where they're explicitly talking about the steps they need to take to move forward, that does have a message. And it's like, no, that has an explicit message. This other movie over here has an implicit message, and it's up to you to get the meaning out of it. It depends on your experiences, too. Mm-hmm. Different people will get different me- meanings from an implicit message. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's Actually, it's a... Uh, it's an art form, and it's a study in an art form that I think it's, that's important. That should not, I guess, my, my go back to my original thesis. It should not be restricted to just entertainment. It should be broadened to different parts of our experience. Well, I, I think it's fascinating. I've made this point before. The ones that win awards, the ones that the critics think are the most thought-provoking or poignant are not the ones that make the most money. You know, Fast and the Furious 11 or, you know, Rock'em Sock'em Robots with Superheroes will make more money than Nomadland or The Father or Mank or Promising Young Woman or The Trial of the Chicago 7. Because that's what people will pay to see. They just want to escape. They don't really want to think. And watching a movie and thinking, sometimes I don't want to do that. I want to watch a Kung Fu movie. I want to watch these guys beat each other up and then the movie's over. The good guy wins. You know? But I do think there's... <laughs> you, could, you could say the same thing about sports. Yeah. I, I, I want to watch football, baseball, basketball, hockey. Why? Because it doesn't make any difference mm-hmm. at all. And I can be really uh, emotional about it. And at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not about what you're watching. It's about the emotion that you can unleash with oh could you can you believe that call yeah. you know it's it's meaningless <laughs> uh, okay oh my goodness well i think we've covered the golden globes enough should we wrap it up for the day why not yeah we can go on and on well let's go on and on no no let's go on and on but let's go on and on tomorrow yeah we'll watch uh, nomadland and do a review of it tomorrow Okay, let's do that. We'll watch Nomadland. I'm a little worried because it's on Hulu, so there's going to be advertisements in the middle of it. Hopefully that doesn't ruin it. But we could talk about the experience of watching it and the movie itself (laughs) when we come back tomorrow. Yeah, and we will say what we think. Right, David? That's right. We're not going to say what's right. We'll say what we think uh, and from our perspective on this stuff. We'll do that tomorrow.
Okay, so do you have anything else you'd like to add before we leave? Hey, I got my tagline. Keep the Sons of Sequoia, keep on talking. But listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is trying to say. Bye. Bye. <laughs>